Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the NFL Scotland podcast. After a strange few weeks of distant recording and travelling, we're back in the NFL studio to cast an eye over week 12 and declare a few more teams done for the season. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Another week of big injuries. Washington lost Alex Smith for the season and possibly his career last week, while the high-flying LA Chargers have been hit with the loss of Melvin Gordon this week also impacting many a fantasy football team, while Andy Dalton is done for the season and Derek Carr is a doubt going forward. We'll be giving out the weekly NFL Scotland awards, including the most Scottish-like performance of the week, the Honkin Award, and once again asking who's had their porridge this week. Well then, straight into a preview for week 13, look at the latest news and check the leaderboard of the NFL Scotland prediction competition. So let's look back then at Thanksgiving week, week 12, and although the Rams and the Chiefs were on bye week, and obviously they're two of the teams that are getting all the headlines, there was plenty of fireworks still going on around the league. Uh, Philip Rivers, I'm going to come to first, completed his first 25 pass attempts in their win over the Cardinals. He was ended up being 28 for 29 in all. His completion rate of 96.6% is the highest in NFL history in a single game with at least 20 attempts. He's amazing. Philip Rivers has the most wins, completions, attempts, pass yards... And touchdowns among quarterbacks never to have made a Super Bowl. Will that change this year? Who knows? Indeed. And when the chat has been so much around Goff and Mahomes, and to an extent Breeze, um, we always hear the chat about Brady and Rodgers. Philip Rivers goes about it just subtly, often overlooked, I think. Um, and I think it's because he doesn't, you know, the Chargers don't tend to make it particularly far in the postseason. Um, last season they missed out completely altogether and that's possibly the, the thing that stops his name being discussed in that top level but that's phenomenal a 96.7 completion rate and they were brilliant they were uh, absolutely brilliant he, he was utterly tremendous and he was a bit unlucky with the one he didn't get either it was just slightly short he's a He's a Hall of Fame candidate for me, but without any doubt, whether he wins a Super Bowl or not, the longevity, the statistics, I mean, I've just quoted you there, he's the leader of all of these, of people who have never been to a Super Bowl, he, he is quite amazing. Yeah, another one for you, Mike Evans had six catches for 116 yards on Sunday as the Buccaneers beat my rather pathetic 49ers. It's fine, we're going for that number one pick. That's it. That's yeah. it, we're taking Bosa, it's done, I'm, I'm okay with it, I've dealt with that. But anyway, those yards have taken Evans to 1,073 for the season, meaning that he's had 1,000 yards plus in each of his first five NFL seasons. Next year, he will look to join Randy Moss as only the second wideout to have six such seasons to start his career. And Mike Evans and Randy Moss in the same conversation. What? It's quite incredible. Well, other, other things that are quite incredible. The Falcons and the Bucks have got the same <laughs> record. Now, who would have seen that coming into week 13? Apparently nobody. And remember, I think the thing that's more impressive this season is he's flip-flopping the quarterback. You know, they can't decide in Tampa. Now, the chances are next season they're going to have a new head coach and they could be flip-flopping again. Or they could release Jameis Winston. Uh, Blake Bortles is another guy who's about probably to get released. He'll be dropped this week for Cody Kessler to play against the Colts. So there's that little bit of quarterback uncertainty and he's come through it pretty well. Indeed. Another one for you. Zach Ertz set an Eagles single-season record for tight end reception. He's had a total of 84 and we're only through week 12. Um, Ertz also had his career 400th career reception, becoming only the fourth tight end in NFL history with at least 400 receptions in his first six seasons. Another player who is brilliant in, at what he does. And as a receiving tight end, 
with Gronk not playing as well, although he had a little bit of a recovery this week, but with Gronk not being as, you know, on the menu, you know, Ertz and Kelsey really are the two now as the receiving tight ends that are making headlines. Many of them are redefining the way that that position's played, and anybody who plays fantasy football will know it's very, very thin on the ground in terms of tight ends that will give you points in fantasy. They do other things, they block well, they do things, but it's these headline makers at tight end, and I think... People start to copy them. They just want to see a little bit more. Indianapolis are using their tight ends quite a lot. They've got two uh, that they seem to flip between. So it's in a really important position. Um, Jimmy Graham's probably been the biggest disappointment at tight end. Never really been the same since he left um, the Saints. Uh, It didn't quite work for him in Seattle. It's not working for him in Green Bay, unfortunately. So what else from last week took your attention then? Obviously, we had the three Thanksgiving games. and We had Chase Daniel kick it all off taking the Bears into Detroit and getting their their first win there since 2012. Yeah, I went with the Lions in the pick'em for that simply because I thought the quarterback would make the difference. Uh, The Redskins just fell short against the Cowboys. I think that was a better uh, showing than I thought they might have have done. Uh, The Saints took care of the Falcons. I mean, that's a rivalry game, so that that was never going to be easy. But, I mean, the Saints on a 10-game winning streak. Um, Of the other games, I thought... The Eagles really struggled against the Giants. I thought they would have been an awful lot better. Uh, Patriots-Jets, I mean, that's got a habit of being close in the Meadowlands, but somehow, you know, they always seem to get through the Patriots. Uh, Browns-Bengals, now you've got to say there was a lot to talk about there. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I mean, Greg Williams has just taken the training wheels off and said, look, on you go. I mean, that was 35-20, it wasn't that close. Yeah. Um, Handing the ball to Hugh Jackson was a was an interesting touch on the sideline. So I think, I mean, the Browns of the one, and the other one that didn't surprise me um, in some ways was the Seahawks being in the Panthers. They just seemed to be ticking back round. Now, there were a couple of games that were decided by field goals, and I think what it's what you don't see, and I don't think you realise when teams are doing it well, is the time management. Yeah. You know, Seattle executed that absolutely perfectly in terms of going up for the winning field goal. And teams can do that and you don't notice it. It's only when they butcher things do you tend to see uh, the way that things go wrong. The Jaguars, I mean, 3-8, and eight, pulling Blake Bortles now for Cody Kessler. Is that the end of Blake Bortles in Jacksonville? You'd have to think so. Yeah, I think the only thing that is the caveat there is that his contract has got a lot of guaranteed money. And it means that if they're going to go out and get another quarterback, they've not really got the cap at the moment to retain the strong defence that they've got and go and get a top quarterback. So they're looking at, do they rest Bortles, give him a rocket that he maybe needs, um, and then hope that he comes back to form? Do they cut him and pick up a quarterback in the first round? You know, they're sitting at three and eight at the moment, so potentially they're going to be quite high up in those in those picks. So they could maybe get someone pretty early on, um, or do they give someone like Kessler a chance and see what he's got to him? I didn't think Kessler was always that terrible in Cleveland, and we've seen look at the progress that Mayfield's made already since Jackson's gone. So Kessler maybe fell foul of that as well. I think Kessler's worth a go. I think he's an absolute no risk. Give him a go. I'd play him for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, if you look at it, Bortles though, was on track to throw his most interceptions since leading the league in 2015. He has an average of 2.79 seconds to throw, which is the ninth best in the league, so he's not being overly hurried. Uh, his completion 
Air Yards is the seventh worst in the league. His passer rating, fifth, wor- fifth worst in the league. And he's behind three rookies in Josh Allen, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. He's even behind CJ Bethard as well. Oh, now, this is somebody who's getting the time. So you can't necessarily blame the line for it. He's getting the time to throw the ball. And he's simply not doing it. Yeah, and there's there's loads of problems. And there's there's more problems than just Blake Bartles, to be honest. They're not performing across the field and they've got to look at things. And interesting to see Tom Coughlin coming out and making statements that, you know, changes will be coming. Um, that's definitely going to happen. Uh, they've already made a change at offensive coordinator. I think that's a bit of a case of Doug Barone just doing what he needs to do to protect his own job. Um, and I think that, you know, seeing Bartles dropped, seeing the offensive coordinator sacked, that's the sort of moves off a head coach towards the end of the season. Who knows he's in the hot seat. So I know that his name will be up, definitely, as one of those at the end of the year. Absolutely, but if you take a team to a championship game one year and you don't, you know, you have a bad year the following year, I think you earn a year after that. Yeah. Now, Nathaniel Hackett, who was the offensive coordinator, thought he was going in simply to talk about dropping Blake Bortles. Well, they dropped Blake yeah. Bortles, all right, and him. Um, is he to blame? For Blake Bortles, you know, he, Blake Bortles is given to him. That is a gimme, given the money that they paid, yeah. you know, the investment that they made in him. And you can only do so much with what you have. I mean, last year, arguably, their play calling was much more conservative, much more on the ground, trying to make sure that Blake Bortles couldn't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. He just needs to go somewhere else now, sit yeah. as a backup. And then what you're looking for is that horrible thing of an injury. And next man up, can you suddenly be the star of the show? I think that's all that's left for Blake Bortles. Uh, the Jags also have the problem that Norwell's injured as well. So there's a, a gap at the offensive line. Obviously, they picked him up in free agency from the Panthers. Was tipped to be a big thing. They paid a lot of money for him. But interesting, you talk about the, the run game last year. And if you look at the Jags, I think that the injury to Leonard Fournette has been a massive factor for them. He was great last year at just eking out those first downs. It kept the offense on the park and it tired out the opposition defense. It's gone the other way now and the Jags defense is out there all the time. They're not performing to the same level. They're getting frustrated. The confidence is down. What you need is your offense to stay there as long as you possible. Your defense come on early, make that big play, off they go again, bang, you know you're not seeing the park again for a while. That's just not happened, so it's a combination of factors. And it's an interesting one because they looked like they'd really made big steps forward. And they've got talent in that team. It's young, that defence last year was tremendous. This is a turning point, and I totally take your point about Marone. I think he does deserve a second chance, but I'll also understand why the Jags feel that maybe they don't have a lot of time to get it wrong again, and they might feel that they panic and push the button to get someone in to come and do it. Where they maybe make a mistake is go and get someone in experience. I think they have to go get experience if it's there. Um, if they've got any hope of taking this current roster and this current team to a Super Bowl, I'm not sure Blake Brooks is the man to do it. I'm going to talk about another player, though. We, you touched on the Redskins there. And obviously, with the injury problems that they've had as well, Colt, McCall, Colt McCoy came in and did a semi-decent job. But I'm going to give a big shout-out to Vernon Davis. Because the next-gen stats that come out from the NFL, and I have no idea how they measure this, but he was clocked at 34 years old as the fastest touchdown scored this week. 21.44 miles per hour on his 53-yard reception touchdown. Not bad for a tight end. Made me go back and have a look, and I didn't know this. At the combine, he did his 40-yard dash in 4.38. Wow. That's not bad for a 6'3", 244-pound tight end. 
And I think sometimes that's what we lose watching the game is realising these are big, big men yeah. and boy, can they move. Yeah. And it is that first, second step that they've got. That, that's why they're playing in the NFL and people of similar build aren't. It is the quickness of thought, but the quickness of your first step is usually so devastating. And we saw that when we were over watching LSU play Rice. I mean, they had a linebacker that you could, you know, somebody said, well, he's going to play in the NFL. Yeah. And you watch and you think, well, let, let's not try and pick him out. You picked him out instantly because of his speed yeah. and the way that he moves. So you, you can tell uh, if you've got it for that next level. A shout out to the Buffalo Bills. So we give them a yeah. bit of a hard time and to have your old coach coming in. Somebody who left you for that no job announced because he thought he was going into New York. Um, that must have felt pretty sweet for them. So they, they certainly would have enjoyed that. And one thing, watching the games on television, the Buffalo crowd always look like they're up for yeah. for a little bit of fun, don't they? Just it's, It wouldn't be a place that many people would pick to go on a touchdown tour, but it must be a heck of an atmosphere up there. Yeah, and Josh Allen coming back from injury actually came in and did all right. Yeah. Not anything brilliant. And, I, you know, the, all the chat was around Jalen Ramsey and the fact that he said that Josh Allen was trash and I've not seen enough out of Josh Allen over the season to necessarily argue with that but I think that Allen kind of stuck it to Ramsey on the day um, he took the opportunity and he went well there you go running one in himself obviously 8 for 19 a passer rating of just under 90 89.8 there certainly was worse um, quarterback performances this weekend so you know fair play to him I'm all for trash talk, but you, to actually call somebody trash is, is fairly extreme. Yes. Uh, and probably unwise. Oh, I think that Jalen Ramsey's been made to look like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, and there's no two ways about that. You know, those words have not done him any favours. They've only come back to haunt him, as these often do. I, don't, I, I like a bit of funny trash talk, but I agree with you. If, if you get sort of nasty like that, it's only going to haunt you. It only makes you look bad. It yeah. doesn't make anyone else look bad. Everyone's got their own opinion. Him saying that he thinks someone's trash isn't going to change anybody. So, yeah, a funny one, that. Um, the other one that I wanted to pull out, though, there's a couple of things here. So, Con Barkley's got 12 touchdowns for the season, which is a tied franchise rookie record, and he's going to absolutely annihilate that one. A couple of other franchise records. The Texans, obviously, with that convincing win over the Titans, and uh, Lamar Miller with that 97-yard running touchdown. Wow! Yeah, that killed my fantasy team. Yeah, honestly, it it helped mine, let me tell oh. you, in another league. It was brilliant. I went to bed needing 30 points from uh, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Miller, and I woke up and they'd scored me 51. I was like, that'll do, boys. Thanks very much for that. Um, but they looked really good as well. The Texans now franchise record eight consecutive wings, having started the season and at one point had the longest losing streak in the NFL. They've now broken the franchise record eight wins in a row, and to be honest, are looking somewhat unstoppable. But the, the difference is to, see last year's Chargers, who lost the first four and then raced, is they're in a bad division. Yeah. In, in those terms, they've easily overtaken everybody. Nobody, I think, would have had Jacksonville bottom no. at this point. The Colts eking out that win against the Dolphins. Again, good clock management. That's the possibility for them. I mean, the Colts are on a five-game winning streak. The Texans are on that uh, eighth-game game winning streak I'm not sure when the next come head to head but I would certainly watch that because I think that would be pretty entertaining uh, Steelers Broncos I thought credit to the Broncos for hanging on in there yep. um, Case Keenum I thought played pretty well at times are the Packers done can we pack the Packers away and is it the end of the Mike McCarthy era it's an interesting one um, are they done do you know what it's one of those things you never write them off do you but it's a difficult one now they are four well, three and a half games behind the Bears. 
um, two games behind the Vikings with not a lot of time left. They can't afford another defeat. They just can't. Um, if they win every game from now till the end of the season, they've maybe got a chance at getting in as a wild card, but they need things to go in their favours. The Bears look unstoppable. Um, the only thing with that is whether Trubisky comes back this week or not. I'm not sure that they'll survive another week with Chase Daniel in there. Um, but if Trubisky's back and he can continue the form, I think the Bears are going to win that division in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, my, my question regarding Mike McCarthy is a fairly simple one. I think they've got one question to ask, and they would phrase it something like this. Aaron, do you want us to change <laughs> the coach? Because I think that's all it's going to take, and his yes or no will we'll see Mike McCarthy go or stay. I don't think there's, there's, there's much doubt about that. We like to write teams off, so Green Bay's a possibility uh, for gone. Cleveland are hanging on in there, simply yeah. because... They're only three games behind as well. The lead in a division where the Bengals have just lost their starting quarterback. The Ravens continue to be so up and down. I think we can safely write the Jets. Even the Bills, even with that win, uh, we, we can write them off. Um, just have a look at the rest of the AFC. I mean, the Jaguars, you wouldn't have thought the Jaguars would be done by this point, but they're cooked. You yeah. can pop them away. Yeah. Uh, and Oakland are done. So, that, I mean, that's how I think the AFC goes. Yeah, no, totally. It's funny as well. Uh, you then come into the NFC and things are a lot tighter. And certainly most of the divisions will ignore the NFC West because the Rams are running away with it. You start in the East, though. And, you know, actually the Giants are only three games away from the top and they're sitting at the bottom. Yeah. Now, I don't think for a second that they're going to turn around and come back and get themselves into contention. But this is a tight league. I think the Redskins now are dead in the water with the injury to um, Alex, Smith, Alex yeah. Smith. I just don't see them having enough to, to come back and get the wins that they need to get. It was a big win for the Eagles, though, against the Giants. And to come back as well as they did, showed a bit of character, especially coming out of the Superdome, as we saw, and they took a tank in. Um, they showed character and resolve to come back and win that game. They remain in contention. They're only one win behind the Cowboys. They've got to play the Redskins twice. So there's two, if they can do them right... Two wins guaranteed. Um, now, nothing's guaranteed. There's no such thing. But you'd like to think they'll be looking at those as winnables. Yeah. Um, and actually, that division's wide open. We've talked about the Bears. They do look as though they're rushing away with it. But the Vikings are only a game and a half behind. Uh, they've still to face each other again, I think. So that's an interesting one there. Uh, the Saints, I think, are home and dry. You won't thank me for saying that. I think they're going to win that division as much as the Rams are going to win. They've got a 99% probability rate of winning that division. Oh, have they? I right, okay. So we can kill that a win yeah. then. Um, and I think that it's very well deserved in the same way that the Rams have won theirs. The the Seahawks and the Panthers are those also Rams in the division that actually I think could be the two teams that go on to go to the playoffs. That's why I thought it was a really big win for Seattle. I yeah. mean, they've had a couple of really good wins in the last couple of weeks. I know you're not Pete Carroll's biggest fan. Yeah. but you know, <laughs> Lucky, they, though, again. That can no miss. That gives them the chance. They're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you're not bitter in any way. That, that's the main thing. The Panthers, I mean, the Falcons and the Buccaneers have all shot themselves in the yeah, foot in the last totally. couple of weeks, which has just made the Saints' life an awful lot easier. I see the Rams are, you know, miles ahead in their division as well. Yeah. It's interesting. We were obviously in the States and you pick up some of the narratives. The narratives being, you know, how good are the Rams, uh, Mahomes for MVP. Um, it might have just been because we're in Louisiana and listening to some of the, you know, the radio and podcasts there that, you know, they feel that the Saints get fairly well overlooked by the national media 
uh, perhaps a little bit like the Chargers with, with Phil River. Uh, you know, it just doesn't quite, you know, fit the narrative that they're looking for yeah. with these sexy young quarterbacks. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. Um, my shout-out, though, has to go to Christian McCaffrey this week. Uh, we'll talk about him in the awards, but when we're talking about that Seattle Panthers game, for him to go, you know, on the ground, 125 yards and a touchdown, and through the air, 112 yards and a touchdown... I play in a PPR league that also gives 0.2 per carry. He scored over 50 points in fantasy this week. What a day he had. And he's the one player that the Seahawks had no answer for. He Every time he got the ball, he steamrollered them. Um, it was a performance unlike any I think I've seen, especially from a guy who's just in his second year. Absolutely tremendous. You know, absolutely brilliant. There's some funny ones as well. And, he, you know, he's got both those. So he's the... The third best running back of the week, and he is, I think, the seventh best um, wide receiver, and he's got a loss next to him. Yeah, it's just well, absolutely. But that's real. the crazy thing. You look at sometimes you look at the stats and you wonder how, how people actually lost. I mean, Marcus Mariota threw his first nineteen passes for completions, yeah. <laughs> and was ended up. I mean, I think the Texans doubled up on him. Yeah. So sometimes you just can't tell. The stats are simply that. The bottom line is. Can your team get over the line? It's the old Ebb Skovdal stats or miniskirts type comment. We won't go into no, it again. No, let, let's but, not yeah. quite go there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, though. I mean, there's. it doesn't tell the whole story. Juju Smith-Schuster was the top receive, uh, receiver of the week, 189 yards and a touchdown, and they lost. Um, Julio Jones is the third best, 147 yards he got, and he lost. Um, so, yeah, stats aren't everything. But we've seen that as well before in previous weeks where quarterbacks have got over 400 yards and they come away with a defeat. And you're like, yeah. how on earth have you managed that? But anyway, what we'll do is normally at this time we go into our awards. But we're going to start this week with some comments from Twitter. Um, there's been some really good ones this week. So we thought we would start there and obviously we can get your thoughts on this, Paul. So first up, we've had Dave Scott get in touch with us. He said that he'd like to nominate Will Parks of the Broncos for his, he's had his porridge award for the goal line stop on Grimble, resulting in a fumble and a touchback. That was a brilliant tackle to punch the ball out, just run it through the back of the end zone, and it's a touchback. Um, perfect play. Brilliantly done. I mean, sometimes you forget you've got to protect the ball. I know you don't have far to go, but protect the ball. Uh, that was a great play. Ali Curry comes in to say, I'll second this. So he <laughs> agrees. Matt Rafferty has said that Josh Allen has definitely had his porridge. As we touched on that before, he did have a good performance by his own standards, certainly, uh, and stuck it to Jalen Ramsey. Stephen Robertson has said the most Scottish-like performance, only one team, the Dolphins. We gave away the win. It might be being a tad harsh on the Colts there, but I, I get where he's coming from. Uh, if you are a Finns fan, that's certainly one that got away. You've got to win on the road somewhere. And, you know, Indianapolis, OK, they're on a good winning run, but they're not indefeatable. Um, Third and long got in touch to say Scottish, well, Scottish performance of the Giants to be 19-3 ahead and lose. Uh, the Honkin Award goes to the 49ers. I'm not going to argue with them on that one. Uh, and who's had his porridge? Baker Mayfield. He did have a great game and tied her. Uh, in fact, he set a new record for rookie quarterbacks at the Browns. Um, and the first Browns win on the road since 2015. That's quite incredible in itself. Yes. Um, so to snap that. And he is looking light. I mean, Greg Williams is playing with house money at the moment. He doesn't think he's going to get the job. So why not just go all out, be adventurous in your play call and let Baker Mayfield be Baker Mayfield. I mean, when we spoke... 
in our NFL Europe interview to Jim Ballard, he said Baker Mayfield's the real deal. Yeah. And I'm quoting exactly what he said. And he's a quarterback's coach now, the former Claymore's uh, quarterback. He knows an awful lot about it. Absolutely. And he reckoned he, he was the real genuine deal. He did. Lauren Kalanak's been in such... His porridge award goes to Mary Cooper, 180-plus yards and two long touchdowns. He had a performance, to be fair. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, it's it's when guys go over sort of 150 yards and get a couple of touchdowns in the mix. So, you know, it's not just sort of garbage-time stuff. They are getting good stuff there. Now, Gordon Olongsai, uh, I'm not sure the pronunciation's right, Honkin Award has to go to the Jaguars. Just can't get their stuff together at all. Disgusting. I think that's fair. I think given given the expectations around them at the start of the season, uh, I think that's, that is pretty fair. Yeah. And Tom Coughlin, now he's coming out speaking to the media, you know there's problems and he must be exceptionally frustrated that this, this is a real wasted year for them. Lorne Kalanach has been in touch again. Of course, he's a big Cowboys fan. He can't help but stick in the oar. Most Scottish-like performance, of course, the New York Giants, as we discussed, giving away that 19-3 lead and losing 25-22. 11 on 11 say that they, he also agrees uh, Amari Cooper must get the porridge award, but he says that Christian McCaffrey must have been sipping Iron Brew on the sideline because the guy didn't stop. He could well be made of girders, actually, to be fair. Uh, Craig Jack, he got in touch, most Scottish-like performance, Jameis Winston. So I guess that's a comeback maybe that we didn't expect. Honker award goes to Derek Carr. And who's had their porridge? Todd Gurley. An interesting one there, Craig, because Gurley didn't do much this week. But I think he relaxed and watched the football with sheer panache. With a big bowl of porridge. Yeah. Stored it up for next week. It could be a great prediction from you there, Craig. Um, Willie Ross got in touch to say, Porridge Award has to be Philip Rivers. We touched on this at the top of the show. 28 completions from 29 yards, no interceptions, 400 plus yards, three touchdowns. 25 straight completions, 96.6 rating. Best ever single game performance. It's got to be... Uh, worth a big plate of Scots finest. I would give him the oats, I have to confess, and McCaffrey would come second for me. What McCaffrey done was highly impressive. I mean, yeah. wonderfully impressive. But when you do something that nobody else has ever done, that's what will win the Porridge Award for me. Honking, I will give to the Giants. I mean, the Jags come a very close second, but that's more a season thing. Yeah. If you're talking about just a one-game thing. 19-3 up, you're... Away from home, the fans are disgruntled, you should be really sticking it to them, and you basically collapse. So, yeah, I I would certainly go with that. Yeah, and I've got to agree with those two as well. I think that, yeah, Chris McCaffrey, Philip Rivers, both massive contenders for that Porridge Award. But, yeah, Rivers has got to get it. That was absolutely superb. Uh, The Giants get the most Scottish-like performance. And, uh, to be honest, the, the Niners, I will give Honkin, the only other contender is the Bengals. And I mentioned this on Twitter, uh, but regular listener Scotty Gibb has travelled all the way to uh, Cleveland. His record of seeing the Bengals is now 0-4-1, the one coming from that Redskins tie at Wembley. Um, And he travelled all the way over there and saw them give up a home defeat to the Browns, who hadn't won on the road since 2015, and were themselves one game away if they'd lost that, they would have equaled the Lions' record as having the worst road losing record of all time. And it was the Bengals that capitulated. And then Andy Dalton broke his thumb. Although, O'Driscoll actually looked half-decent when he came in, so there's maybe a wee shining light there. But if you're going to travel all that way to see your team, you've probably got a set week where you know you've got to go, you've got to fit out on other things. And when you saw the word Browns on the schedule, you must have thought, brilliant, I'm going to snap my losing streak. <laughs> Not to be. No. Sorry. 
And um, just to make it worse for Scotty as well, he then travelled up to Toronto to see the Bruins play his other team, his hockey team. They lost. And he's back in Cincinnati for the Bengals game this weekend. And it's a tough game that they've got against the Broncos. So, you know, that's definitely one that they're not going to be guaranteed to be winning. Well, and I think that the Bengals fans will be slapping a ban on Scotty attending any games in the future. But I'm glad he told us, because I'll obviously go with the Broncos now. The <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your Saints record is... I'm 3-0 and with the Saints, how about that? Yeah, Twice just... at Wembley, once in the Dome. 1-0 yeah, with the 49ers, they're a bit further away, so it's harder to see them. But, you know, um, Scotty, if you want to know what it's like to have someone see their team winning regularly, you know, do get in touch with us, we're happy to discuss that with you. Uh, I'm going to give you one more tweet as well, because um, we've had a suggestion here for an alternative award. So Steve, from our friends at the American Football Podcast, who kindly did some of the guests for our pick six, we'll touch on the scores on those in a little bit, but he suggested a new award this week, the Neap Heat Award, which goes to Leonard Fournette and Shaq Lawson for forgetting it was the NFL, thinking it was the UFC, slugging each other, not just on the park, but all the way up the tunnel as well. That's a brilliant award, so I think we're going to we're going to bring that in. We might not give it every week, but we're going to bring it in. But how dumb do you have to be? Okay, they fought each other. I get that. They both get ejected. I get that. How dumb do you have to be if you're the sideline guys and you're watching the other guy? Basically, I mean, the field is marked. You know where you're going to come behind the end zone to go down the tunnel. Surely all they had to do was hold them back for. 30 seconds and let the other guy but it was almost like it was coordinated to bring it together and they went after some nice camera work by CBS yeah. just to, it was more interesting the game at that point it was like Wrestlemania it was brilliant didn't want to let it go but yeah great award yeah. definitely well won one of the hardest things about predicting by week 13 is the television companies trying to get the right games in prime time now there's a bit of flexing can go on a little bit of movement and we saw that when we were away they were announcing different things because what you don't want is a dead game and I think teams like Jacksonville who've disappointed uh, you know would have been featuring so they've moved them around we're going to we'll quickly have a look at the main primetime games Saints Cowboys has suddenly become an interesting game from the Cowboys point of view now that they've won a couple and are relevant again and there's always been that thing that Sean Payton's got the link with the Cowboys there's there's loads of narratives come with this game yeah one state over and there's a point to prove from the Cowboys point of view this is obviously at home for them as well so an opportunity for the Saints to go and show that they can be as impressive away from home as they are at home but that cowboy defence and a loud AT&T Stadium um, might just be enough to maybe knock them slightly off their game because currently the Saints look unstoppable. What's interesting is that, yeah, they're next door in terms of states. And if you look at it, I saw a map that, you know, which teams do people support? There's a real mix when you get almost equidistant between New Orleans and Dallas of people you know, you do get that, you know, the Saints radio coverage bleeds over mm. there. The Dallas radio coverage obviously comes in. So there's a real mix. So there is there is a pretty good rivalry between those two. I hope it's a really good game. I think the, the telly have selected reasonably wisely because all three primetime games at the weekend are games that I think you'd want to watch. The Vikings-Patriots, um, 62 and is it 11? I think they are in December under Brady and Belichick which wow. is some statistic. The Vikings, if they want to show they can play, big game for them. Yeah, definitely. And the Vikings need to win this if they're going to have any chance of knocking the Bears off the top. And actually, really, if they want to think about a wild card slot, 
they got to win all the games they've got in front of them. Now, the Patriots have looked more vulnerable this year than they have previously. However, it felt like a little bit of a changing of the guard because Gronk came back and showed what he was all about. Um, Sonny Michel was back and was looking back to good form. So if the Patriots get some of those important pieces in play, then this could be a really difficult game. Kirk Cousins has played well, though. Do you know, they've, they've had some wobbles along the way, but for the most part, Cousins has actually been really impressive. Um, and I've, I've, I'm actually surprised when you look at his numbers, how good he's been. You know, over the season, he's got 3,289 yards so far. Seven interceptions, which isn't terrible compared to someone like Ben Roethlisberger with 12. Even Patrick Mahomes has had 10. Um, so, you know, his passer rating as well, actually, Cousins for the year is 101.9. So it's not terrible. There's been a couple of bad results along the way. Absolutely, but you know, there's been some good ones along the way yeah, as well. Totally. So I, th- I think I think they're in good shape. I think it's a really intriguing game. I think that's a game that's worth watching. Uh, the big Sunday night game with Al and Chris. Uh, the Steelers entertain the Chargers. Now, Big Ben says, don't worry about the interceptions. You've got to take them in context. They've not really cost them too much. He's trying to sell it there. Uh, two great slinging quarterbacks, but without Melvin Gordon for a few weeks, can the Chargers find someone else to step up? Well, and Eckler looked decent out of the backfield, but he's more of a receiving back. Yeah. And then they started to play with a couple of their rookies, but we still don't know whether that was them. They were so far ahead. At that point, you know, they were just putting people out. I mean, for goodness sake, we saw Geno Smith out there at one point. So, you know, they were just chucking everything out in front of the Cardinals. Um, so it's a really difficult one to see what, what's going to happen there. The Steelers are 7-3-1. and one. Um, and they're going to be looking over their shoulder slightly at the Ravens, who even with Lamar Jackson have managed to get to 6-5. and five. They're not far behind. Now, the Ravens this weekend are up against the Falcons. Um, that's in Atlanta, so that's a tricky game for them, not definitely a guaranteed win. But the Steelers will go into that game later on knowing what the Ravens have already done. Yeah. And if the Ravens have won, pressure on. Um, and Philip Rivers showed that he doesn't necessarily need his running backs because his arm's pretty damn accurate. He's got weapons here, Keenan Allen. Um, and Williams, he's getting great return out of him. So, yeah, for me, as part of the story, because both these teams, you know, the Chargers still have a chance to dislodge the Rams. Uh, the Chiefs, sorry, uh, come the end of the season. They're still close enough. There's only the one game in it. They still have to play each other again. There is an opportunity there. They've got a lot to play for. The Steelers need to win because they want to put some air between them and the teams around them. So it's a fascinating one and is probably more relevant than even the Patriots-Vikings when it comes to the postseason. Monday Night Football sees the Redskins go to the Eagles. The Redskins, if I'm them, I'm going to go, I would go with a fairly adventurous game plan and see if you could do what the Giants did early, but not do what the Giants did late. Because the Eagles do seem to be so Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. And we always get a lot of these NFC East matchups. The best thing we can say is it's close. It means something to both. And it'd be very interesting as well to see, you know, Dallas, are they sitting back thinking, well, we won, so it's not a problem? Or are they thinking, ah, we blew our chance and here come the others. So it's an interesting one as far as that's concerned. But I think it shows the benefit of being able to flex games. Of course, Monday night game can't flex. But yeah. You can with the Sunday game, the late game, and you can with the, the game that CBS or Fox show the second game, right about 4.20, 4.25. It's a big game for the Eagles, this one as well, because it, the scenario could be if the, the Saints beat the Cowboys and the Eagles beat the Redskins, come the end of week 13, you're going to have three teams all on 6-6. Six and six. 
And that means that the Eagles have a real chance of potentially making it to the postseason. And again, all the bad form they've had through the year doesn't really matter because when they're in the postseason, they've got the same chance as everyone else to go back and maybe get a second Super Bowl. I don't think it'll happen, but they've got to get to the postseason. That's the number one goal. Yeah, that's the job. You've just got to get there. And that's that's all it is. I mean, we talked earlier about uh, the Jaguars. Fernet is suspended for the game this weekend. I don't really think it makes much difference to them in terms of you know playoff hopes and things. I think they're done. But I think that does affect the quarterback and his ability to come in. You don't want to lose necessarily your best weapon. The other news that came out, if we just sort of segue on to news, is the former 49er Ruben Foster has been picked up by the Washington Redskins. Now, he was cut by San Francisco following a weekend arrest in Tampa uh, on the suspicion of, and that's always important, yeah. That these, these are allegations, a suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence battery, perhaps not for the first time either. Um, it, it's a difficult one because the 49ers wouldn't have cut them for no reason, yeah. which you suspect, so there might be other things going on. I'm just surprised that Washington came in so quickly. Um, the Redskins are the only team to put in a waiver claim for them. Um, I mean, Foster's career, 16 games with the team, multiple run-ins with the law. I mean, he was drafted 31st overall. So I can understand another team punting on somebody that is that high, but perhaps waiting to see what comes of all the arrests and things like that before you jump in. Yeah, and I think, I'll be honest, as a Niner, I was pleased to see them cut him, personally. And, And yes, to your point, you know, it's still suspicion at the moment, but the Niners stood by him. Previously, when they felt that there was some doubt about the allegations that were posted against them, ultimately a load of them were dropped. There was still some minor felony charges against them. But obviously this has come around again. They've seen enough that they've just cut them right away. There was no messing about, which makes you think there's more to this story than you think's going on. The Redskins maybe have just thought, you know what, let's put the waiver in. Let's see what happens with this. And then if it is a bad apple, we'll just drop them again. But it does feel a bit of a, like, yeah... Uh, you know, I, you know what we what we might think is that I wonder if Washington put in a request for not expecting to get them. Possibly. You know, they, they might have thought. I don't know. You could go back ten years. How many clubs do you think would have put in the waiver request from nine, ten? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. So changing times and perhaps Washington just a little bit out of step. The other one story before we round off with pick six and things is is. Ben Roethlisberger, who's never short of a quote or two, coming out this week saying, I have the right to criticise my teammates. That was his very quote, that he doesn't hold back uh, on his radio show. He had a little go at Antonio Brown's route running. He had a go at James Washington, (laughs) dropping a pass. Offensive coordinator Randy Fitchner for not calling Juju Smith-Schuster's number often enough. If you've got a weekly radio programme, and a lot of these players and coaches do... Are you just going to go on and be bland? Or are you going with a strong opinion? <laughs> Big Ben, he's got two Super Bowl rings, six Pro Bowl appearances. He's got the hardware to back it up. I think it's different if, you know, a rookie quarterback yes. was going on. Where do you stand on that? So, yes, it's a, do you know what? It's a difficult one because I've already lamented them and had a go at Jalen Ramsey and his poorly chosen words. And I think that... Ramsey was a rookie who was, who was mouthing off. Came off the a big year, part of a defence that people were tipping to do big things, so was just running his mouth. It's a difficult one. I mean, the one person who you feel can be critical is 
the quarterback. But it's people in glass houses uh, should not throw American footballs. Um, and that's something you can take away from this. Apparently, um, though, Blake Bortles' glass house is immaculate. Yeah, there's nothing left of it. No, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. He's never hit a thing. <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, but Big Ben, I mean, he points out, and he was asked, so what do you, what do your teammates like if you're mm. criticising? To which his answer was, if they want to come and speak to me, be my guest. So he's not hiding from it. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to be fairly gutsy to go up and challenge Big Ben because he could just show you the two rings, Pro Bowl list, what he's done. Yeah. I, th- I think you earn the right to do it the right way. Yeah. And I would hope, Cameron, that he's not telling anything on his radio show that he hasn't actually said to their friends. And I think that's the key part. And I guess the one thing with this with me is the risk-reward here of him going on a radio station and saying that. Great, it's great for his radio show and may help him in the future with his career after he's stopped playing football. Because if he's seen as someone that can be a bit controversial, can speak well and eloquently and speak his, you know, um, speak his mind, then he will get a gig somewhere because that kind of stuff's in demand. However, right now he's a football player. And if he knows his teammates well enough to know that they can take it, then fair play. If, and I mean, all it'll take is one of those guys to take offence and perhaps not perform as well. And that's going to hit Ben in his hopes, potentially, for making a Super Bowl. So if you don't have your receivers or your linemen or whoever it is you're being critical of aligned to you in your way of thinking, it's going to be harder for him to try and achieve what he wants to achieve right now. So it's, yeah, I think your point's right. And I think it depends on what the relationship is like with these guys that we don't see. How well do they get on behind the closed doors? Is he maybe saying to these guys, oh, listen, I'm going to be saying some of this later on. Or does he follow up afterwards and they'll have a bit of a laugh about it? We don't know because we don't see that. We don't know the relationship. I think on the skin of it, it's very easy to be critical of someone that does that. It's very easy to see the risks of doing that. But yeah, it's it's up to him at the end of the day. He's going to make his bed. It just depends whether it comes back to haunt him or not. We could, of course, have a new award, the Big Ben Diplomacy yeah. Award. We'll, we'll, we'll watch out for that over the next few weeks as well. Right, before we finish up then for episode 29, we'll do a very quick check-in on the latest scores on Pick 6. And, Paul, I think you've got some scores from the overall Predictor League as well. So on Pick 6, after week 12, you're currently in the lead with 45 correct. Our guests are in second place with 38. So you've got a lead of 7. I'm then languishing way behind with 30. So we need to speak about what the forfeit is should you finish in the bottom place. Now, we did have you wearing the Saints jersey in the Superdome. So if anybody wants to suggest, because I meant to mention this at the very start of the season, but conveniently forgot, but now I've got a fairly comfortable lead. I'm quite happy for somebody to suggest a forfeit for Cameron or whoever finishes third in the league. I'm not against making a late end-of-season comeback on this, so bring it on. Bring it on. It should be noticed, uh, noted that you actually administer this as well, so I better start <laughs> checking. The NFL Scotland overall prediction league, 144 players signed up, which yep. is utterly tremendous. Uh, so thanks to everybody who's done that. All you do is you go in and you pick who you think is going to win. Now, interestingly, you created the NFL Scotland account to pick the favourite every week. Yep. The favourite is 56th in our league, yep. which is amazing, on 1310. Uh, but our leader, who's Togas, is on 1,590 points, top of the NFL Scotland group. But in the world, everybody who's doing this particular game, 113th, 
We tip our hat to you, sir. Absolutely. That is amazing. We think that is tremendous. Um, only 130 points behind me in ninth place, so I'm coming for him. <laughs> or her. I'm coming for you. You never know, but it just goes to show, um, you know, we, we play this game in isolation, but you can look at the bigger picture as well, and that is an absolutely tremendous effort. Keep playing, though. Plenty to play for. And remember, the winner of that does get an exclusive NFL Scotland podcast hoodie. We'll be giving that away out at the end of the season as well. So keep going. See if you can beat Top Ass, but probably 113th in the world. Can't argue with that. Now, talking of NFL Scotland hoodies, which my wife said you look very smart in the NFL Scotland hoodie. Thank you. Why wasn't I wearing one? But that's a whole, (laughs) whole other conversation. We've got to reveal how you got wet on a sunny day when we were in New Orleans. Now, it was baking hot yep. by that point that we were down near the front, yep. off to collect our hire car to Baton Rouge. And all of a sudden, because you were walking on the right-hand side, you went, <laughs> ah, I'm wet. <laughs> Pray tell our listeners what happened to you. That's a setup. It was glorious. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, and yes, as we walked towards a car hire place, um, I was unfortunate enough to walk past... Just as the the guys who I assume were valleying the cars up above tipped a bucket of water over one of the cars and the, the bits that missed the car came down on my head. <laughs> so I don't think the photo even did justice to just show how wet I actually got there. I got soaked, absolutely soaked. Wasn't expecting it, um, but it was lovely. I had a lovely lemony smell for the rest of the day. You were very fresh, I have to say. <laughs> Well, that concludes things for episode 29. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to all of you who've been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. Our numbers continue to grow, but please keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends. And keep giving us your nominations for our regular weekly awards. We've loved reading your suggestions and also some of those Scottish slanted awards. Do keep them coming. Let's hope for a cracking week 13. We're back again next week to do it all again. Enjoy the football. Bye for now.